Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Without further ado, that's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Somebody just leave it up there. He couldn't make that if he tried that again. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, NBA edition. I'm your host, Matt Moore, senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Join me today, Raheem Palmer and Brandon Anderson. We've got a full slate for you guys today talking about all sorts of stuff, futures, games. We'll do our picks at the end for Wednesday night. We're going to go back to the future. I do have a crazy pills conversation I'd like to have with you guys. We'll hit all that, but first... Let's get into our marquee. Guys, the marquee this week is the Brooklyn Nets dot, 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 question mark. After the Nets without Kyrie Irving, without Kevin Durant, slide by the Phoenix Suns. I lost a considerable amount of money on that game. I had the Suns a lot on that spot. I thought it was a great spot for them. I thought that it wasn't because of the injuries. I just thought it was a really great spot. I was following like a trend. I liked the matchup. Everything looked great. And the Nets somehow find a way to get a win. And the Nets are, are finding a little bit of footing here collectively as a team. Steve Nash said it's all vibes right now. I, we had been on the show and we talked about how bad the defense was. And we talked, we did the Super Bowl playoff series a couple weeks ago and, and we had the Celtics upsetting the Nets because of their defense right in a one game environment I will say that since then an idea has been rattling around my head and Brandon let's start with you on this the Bucks, we all know we're kind of nervous about going in on because they've lacked defensive flexibility they are switching more now Eric Nim had a great piece on the athletic about that they're switching more now uh, mm-hmm. but they lost the Raptors again Last night, they do not have many good wins on them on them this season. Maybe this is going to be the opposite, where the Bucks have an uninspiring regular season and put it together in the playoffs. That'd be a cool story. But I think at this point, we're all kind of like, oh, don't really trust the Bucks. But another reason is because the Bucks, as good as Chris Middleton is, once you build the wall around Giannis, they don't have another creator that can get his own shot. That was a problem with Bledsoe. They're hoping Drew Holiday could be that guy. The Nets only have those guys. It's Kyrie Irving, it's Kevin Durant, it's James Harden, and it's taking turns playing ISO, scoring one-on-one, high-level shot creation. In that regard, they seem built for the playoffs. If they can find 
a matchup by matchup defensive solve. So even if their defense is bad, if they just are able to find enough ways to twist them, much like the Cavs did for a couple of years, they could make a run. I'm kind of starting to buy in. Well, I, I beyond that, I've already I've taken positions on Lakers Nets finals and Clippers Nets finals. I'm considering just one on the Nets to win the Eastern Conference at plus 165 at, at FanDuel. How does this line of thinking sound to you, Brandon? I think it makes sense. What we keep coming back to, like the through line in this Eastern Conference argument week after week after week, is that there's really just not a team that we really do trust to, to go to take it. We tried to get there with Philadelphia. I can't quite get there with Philadelphia. They're still in the mix for me. They're, it's a matchup thing with them. Milwaukee, I just feel like I've never quite gotten there. I've conned myself into it the last couple of years in the playoffs and then gotten to where we got and been like, what am I doing? They're, they're going to give up the three-pointers. They're always prone to the hot shooting. We already know that when it's a close game, when it's crunch time, and Giannis is not really the answer compared to the other superstars, we know that that's not necessarily the thing we want to trust at the highest, highest level. You could talk yourself into teams like the Celtics or others, maybe pulling off an upset, pushing one of these teams, but it's hard to see someone outside of those three taking the East, You know, beating two or three of these teams. At the end of the day, you look at the Nets, and there's just those three guys, and that's a lot of talent. And that kind of worked last year for the Lakers. Totally different guys, I realize, but all through the playoffs, and even still, really, if I'm being honest, I look at that Lakers team, and it just doesn't look like it should be as good as it is. The third, fourth, fifth, sixth best guys don't look like what a championship team should be, partly because I think what we think a champion should be has been spoiled by the Warriors the last five years. We forget that champions don't all have like Hall of Famers on five guys at any position. But at the end of the day, the Lakers had LeBron and they had Davis. And when those guys were doing what they could do, the rest of the stuff just worked. That's kind of the position I'm coming back to with the Nets. That, you know, when it gets to the playoffs, there's Durant, there's Harden, there's Kyrie. And I'm comparing them a little bit to last year's Clippers team with an important change, which is that obviously it's not great to compare them to the Clippers. We saw what happened in the playoffs with them. But Raheem, I know you always are talking about the, the thing the Clippers are missing and that they have been missing is that shot creation. That when the Clippers love to take tough shots and in the playoffs, that's okay because the shots are going to get tougher. There's going to be more half court and you're going to have to hit those. But what happens when the shots don't fall? And the difference is that this team has James Harden. And when I watch the Nets, especially the last few games, the thing that jumps out to me is Harden's passing is just a different level than what most guys in the league ever can do, really. And he can create those looks. He can, he can when things are stalling, he can just dish to Joe Harris, dish to Tyler Johnson or Landry Shamit or whoever is out there and create some of those looks. And, you know, Durant is always going to score. He's going to put 30 points on you in his sleep day after day. And Kyrie can always drop a 40 or 50 on you. There's just so many ways to score and so much talent that I think the, the by default answer is the Nets for me at this point. Raheem, you know, if we take out the West, if we just look at the Eastern Conference, the team that I feel like is the reason that I think a lot of analysts have talked themselves into the Sixers, including me, I might add, uh, has been that they look, they look the part. You know, they, they got the defense, they got the offense. Seth Curry is greatly improved there. Uh, Joel Embiid's playing like an MVP finally, even though he can't handle a double team. Like they have like good, de- you know, pretty good depth on the bench. Like Tyrese Maxey's giving them something. They have all these kind of pieces. But then I watch those Blazers games 
And again, it kind of shows you that in the playoffs, if you don't have guys that can hit off the dribble to punish teams for dropping, you're going to have a hard time. And like over the course of a playoff series, let's say versus the Nets. Okay. Let's say that the Nets have, oh, I don't know, Andre Drummond. Okay. And so he's playing Embiid. Now Embiid has destroyed Drummond in his career. But over the course of the series, the Nets are going to send double teams at Embiid consistently, and he's going to turn the ball over. He's going to score, and he's going to get to the line, but he's going to turn the ball over a lot, and it's going to be harder and harder for him to be efficient. And in those late-game situations, when the Sixers are up five with seven to go, the lead is shrunk from 12 to five, and KD's getting hot, and Kyrie's hitting shots. Who's going to make those shots for the Sixers? Who's going to get those buckets for them that they need? off the dribble in those tough situations. The Sixers don't have specifically what the Clippers do have. They have shot creation because Simmons is great, right? They have the ability to move the ball. They are the the inverse Clippers. Great center play because that was the bigger problem for the the Clippers in the playoffs was versus the Nuggets. Mm -hmm. They had nobody to go up against Jokic. Mm -hmm. They've got individual shot creators in ISO, you know, but uh, the Clippers do, but they don't have the point guard the shot creation, the Sixers have the shot creation, but they don't have those guys that can just go in there and be like, I'm going to ISO pull up from, from 18 off of drop coverage and make the bucket. Are the Sixers just going to wind up being a regular season team? Is this Nets team maybe the one that's better built for playoff basketball? See, I'm going to be honest with you. I think the Sixers just don't have the shooting either. I mean, when you look at the, when you look at the Sixers, to me, the Sixers are a poor man's version of last year's Lakers. So Embiid is Anthony Davis. And Ben Simmons is, is LeBron James, but they're kind of a poor man's version of them. And like last year's Lakers, this Sixers team can't shoot. They're 26 and three point um, shooting percentage. That's one of the reasons why they lost those games against the Suns, against the Blazers. It's why they struggled with Sacramento is because every single night they're getting outshot from three. Um, Danny Green's not a reliable three point shooter. Um, Seth Curry, we know he's great, but he hasn't been himself as of lately. And then outside of that, I mean, Tobias is having a great season. But outside of that, they don't have reliable shooters. And in today's NBA, three-point shooting is everything. Um, and then when you combine the fact that they don't really have three-point shooters with the fact that they don't have a guy who can consistently break down a defense in the half court and get themselves a shot, you're, you have a team that's you know good on defense, but it's just not enough in a league – in which you have to score. Even a bad defense like the Portland Trailblazers can go out there and outshoot them. So I'm just, you know, as much as I, like, I gave out, um, I think I gave out the Sixers to win the Atlantic Division. I gave them out to, you know, have a chance to win a championship at the start of the year. I'm not optimistic about this team. And then also, I'm not a big fan of Doc Rivers. I mean, I've been saying it for a while, and I said it last year, that I don't trust him to make the necessary adjustments. Raheem Palmer is falling out of love. Like when I look at Doc Rivers, he's like a guy who plays ABC poker. You know he's going to raise when he has tens, jacks, queens, and kings and aces. But besides that, he's not going to throw a curveball at you to make you think. And in the Sixers team, to me, they don't have a lot of depth. I watched that Suns game the other day. The starting lineup killed it. But as soon as the bench came in, you saw the Phoenix have a lot of, they had a lot of depth with, you know, campaign and, and Cameron Johnson. And that second, second unit ate the Sixers for lunch. So if they're playing a team like the Nets, you know, Joel and, and, and Ben Simmons aren't on the floor, what's going to happen? Harden is going to play with, you know, four bench guys 
And we've seen Harden be able to do that. Like, that's been his strength in Houston. We'll put him out there with anybody, and they're going to have a top five offense. So I'm not that excited about this Sixers team. All right. So do we all kind of agree then that the Nets are kind of by process of elimination of the top teams? Oh, without a doubt. And it, I mean, one thing I want to add is that, you know, I think I argued you guys down about the Nets beating the Celtics in a one-game playoff. And I, I just, for me, I'm not excited about the Celtics either because I think the Celtics, this is what the Celtics did. They took a guy who was a borderline all-star in Gordon Hayward and replaced him with the corpse of Tristan Thompson. Do your legs get tired from all the victory laps you run? Like, you just, I just got to know, like, <laughs> do they ever, do you get cramps? You got to hydrate. I never get tired. I have a Jordan-like competitiveness. We, we got we to put the pressure on. I hear you. I hear you. I would say this, though. Um, I, like, I will, I, I will say part of me still is kind of holding out on the Celtics. This is the lowest point for them, right? Like, they bounce That's back true. versus a beat-up Nuggets team missing like mm-hmm. five rotation dudes. This is the lowest point for them. Tatum is not playing great because he's still dealing with effects from COVID. Everyone's like, what's wrong with the Celtics? They're broken. And I'm like, look, if Tatum's not playing well and Marcus Smart's not on the floor, yeah, the Celtics aren't going to be great. Like, that's absolutely yeah. true. I do wish that they had traded for Miles Turner. Can you imagine if they pulled off that deal of Hayward for Miles Turner, how good this team would be right now? Just, I, I would have loved so it. So good. So yeah, like I, I'm not out, out on the Celtics. I do. I don't think they can get by the Nets because they don't have enough firepower. I think right now it's crazy because Jalen's playing yeah. so great. Like that's the thing is like Jalen's playing amazing. I think they have a good shot at the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm, I'm not even going to lie to you there. I just don't see them making the finals just because right. I think Ainge didn't do enough in the offseason. And then also I'm really concerned with Kimball. That's that's yeah. my biggest concern. So Brandon, is there any team in the East that you're like that you look at and, and are like? I think there is actually some long shot value on here. So if you're, if you're building a position on the Eastern conference and you're like, all right, we're going to take the nets because we're still getting a plus money and we're going to build in a long shot here for fun as part of a hedge. Is there any team that you look in there and you look at the Eastern conference and you go, you know, who's really undervalued here? Is there a team? No. You got one. Jesus. I, I don't have, I mean, I I'm think... waiting for the team. I'm waiting for you to say it. I know you're thinking it. No, it, it's not the Raptors. I thought maybe one of you would take the heat them being so bad this year and be like, this isn't who I they mean, are. Brent, Brandon picked the heat to not make the playoffs. True. Yes, <laughs> I did. Plus That's 1,200, true. too. We got to be honest. There's a little value in the Sixers. Six to one. I mean, yes, that, one. yeah, it's probably the best value on the board. Because, I mean, they can still cause some problems. Ben Simmons can guard Kevin Durant. The, the Nets are so top-heavy. Either one of those guys gets hurt. It's wide open. So two years in a row, as part of my preseason, like, Eastern set, I have taken mm-hmm. positions on – the Pacers, and I didn't do it this year, but they're plus 2,200, and they're going to get T.J. Warren back, and then presumably Karras will play sometime, maybe, by the time the playoffs come around. Mm-hmm. They got shooting. They play, they play a lot more. Like Their offense is a lot better. Turner's great defensively. They got Sabonis. They got Brogdon. Tell me there's not like a little bit of value on the Pacers, Brandon. There's a little value on the Pacers. There, there, is, there is a little value, but the, the Pacers are the team that I tried to talk myself into for like 10 seconds yeah. before I went with the no. Here's the problem with the Pacers. and The Pacers are the exact team that I do talk myself into. And you guys know, I love on my futures, I love to play the long odds. I love to grab the 2,500 team who courageously comes through for me and works all the way down to plus 300 and then loses anyway. Guess what? You don't make any money off of looking really good and making your odds much better than they were supposed to. You got to win. And I think the Pacers to me feel like some of the, la- the recent Celtics teams that I could see them win a first round. Absolutely. In the right matchup, pull the second round upset. Yeah, I could get there. I could see that. 
and then they flame out in the Eastern Conference Finals. I just don't see them having the guns to pull off multiple upsets. Maybe you're saying, well, if they made the Eastern Conference Finals and you're at 2,500 or 2,000 or whatever the odds are, then you've got a, cha- you got a chance. You never know. It's the NBA. You know, maybe it's the Nets and a star gets hurt. Or, you know, maybe it's the Sixers and Embiid goes down. There's a chance. But that's just, at the end of the day, I mean, we, we literally saw that sort of scenario happen with the Heat last year. But how often does that scenario happen? And on top of it, adding in the injuries we saw, you know, the the protests that happened, the bubble, the pandemic. I mean, so many variables to pull off there. If you if if we could play some odds to make the Eastern Conference Finals, great. Show me the Pacers odds. That's the team I'd probably try to talk us into. But there's not a make the conference finals odds. And I just don't see it to get all the way to the end. So before we move on. My favorite bet from preseason that I just feel mm-hmm. awesome about right now. I took a uh, division finals matchup in preseason and I got plus mm-hmm. 320 on Pacific uh, to beat Atlantic. Ooh. So I like Clippers, that. Clippers over Celtics, Clippers over Nets, Lakers over Nets, Lakers over Sixers, any of the Celtics teams. What did that pay? Plus 320. Wow. That's nice. Yeah. Oh, you, still, you, stole, you stole the check right there. Yeah, feel pretty good. Feel pretty <laughs> Let good me ask you guys this question about the Nets. Obviously, obviously, we know the big three. And in the playoff series, they're going to play 40 minutes a game, somewhere in that range. They're gonna, in, in a big game, they're going to be out there. I think we would all agree Joe Harris is the fourth guy, the guy that is going to play a lot of minutes. We trust him. He's going to hit shots. Outside of those three and Joe Harris, who do you trust on this team? Andre Drummond. I'm trusting Jeff Green. I got to ask you this. Okay, you've been on this, this kick on the small ball lineup with Jeff Green. I got to ask you, okay, what teams is that going to be super useful against? So it's the obviously Celtics. you can't play it versus the Sixers. Like play it against the Celtics. Okay, you can play it against the Celtics, right? Because you can, I guess, theoretically switch everything and you're not worried about Tristan scoring inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a little concern about like Kyrie Irving on Tristan Thompson. Like Tristan will score. Like, yeah. Tristan will score in that situation. Mm-hmm. If you switch it with KD or Harden, you're fine because Harden's a great post defender. KD's awesome, right? Like that, that kills Tristan's options. But then in those situations, you also, you do, I think, have other concerns with who, like whoever else is matched up, right? Like if it, mm-hmm. it's only really useful if you're switching everything. And I'll also say this, mm-hmm. the switch isn't as valuable as it used to be because everybody's mm-hmm. slipping now. Gotcha. And the Celtics will absolutely mm-hmm. do that every single time. They'll just slip the pick before you switch. And yeah. I don't trust the Nets to have the kind of discipline to manage that on the backside rotation. Mm. Um, so I'm not as sold on, on that as you are. Mm. I also think if you look at, like, I think it makes you vulnerable if you're trying to rely on a small ball lineup. Like, mm-hmm. if they play the Pacers, I don't want Sabonis matched up versus a small dude. I want a big guy on Sabonis at all times. I agree with that. I do seriously think he'll wind up being Drummond if he joins. If, if, he, I, if I, he winds up there. I definitely think it's matchup dependent. I, I think when they played the Pacers last week, they had um, a lot of DeAndre Jordan on him. Mm-hmm. And then also, I think when they played the Clippers, that's where that, that's where that small ball lineup yeah. really worked. You can do it versus the Clippers. Like, that's yeah. great. If you, can, if you can switch versus the Clippers, it's extremely valuable. Because all you're trying to do is get a bigger, bigger defender on Kawhi mm-hmm. and PG and ISOs. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, let's go on. Let's move on to our next segment, which I want to go back to the future. First up. Back to the future. So for mine this week, 
on Back to the Future where we list a, a future we wish we'd gotten in on. I think we talked about this last week, but I want to go back to it again. We talked mm-hmm. about this a lot on the NBA uh, BetCast, which we're doing on, on League Pass. If you follow us on Twitter, you'll be able to know when we're doing that. We're doing live betting analysis on games, which you guys should check out. It's awesome on mm-hmm. the official NBA app on League Pass. So last night, no Anthony Davis. LeBron plays heavy minutes. LeBron has a monster game. LeBron closes the game. He is still slightly plus money to an MVP. This is probably the last point you're going to see LeBron at plus money to an MVP. Mm-hmm. If you have not bet him yet and you're going to bet MVP, even if you want to take one of the other long shots, even if you like, if you're like, I think Durant can sneak it or I like Steph Curry or whatever, just take a hedge it with LeBron right now. Because I can tell you that any sort of, there is no point this season where LeBron will not be in the MVP conversation. Even if it's a three-way race with Jokic and Bede and LeBron, LeBron's going to be in that conversation and he's going to swipe votes. This may be one where the point totals wind up mattering for second place votes as well, because I think that there's going to be a lot of Jokic, LeBron second, and Embiid, LeBron second votes, along with a lot of LeBron first votes. So even if the field gets divvied up, I think LeBron Mm -hmm. is, is in a pretty good position to take the award based off of the voting totals. So I really wish that I'd taken, yes, Raheem Palmer's advice and gotten LeBron <laughs> in preseason as the winner. I underestimated how much he wanted to win this. His mm-hmm. minutes and games played is crazy. At age 36, with a shortened offseason, I don't understand why he's doing this. Like, I get he wants the MVP. It seems mm-hmm. short-sighted. But with 80 now out for a few weeks with this calf strain that's related to the Achilles, they're going to be patient after that two-week window to get him back. Mm-hmm. They've already said they're going to be patient beyond that. If LeBron carries them, that's going to be a pretty solid nail in the MVP coffin. Brandon, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. That was my first thought when, when the Davis news came out or, or even before the news was official. And I think, too, you know, the immediate comeback is, well, they've got a tough schedule this next eight or nine games without him. You've got to figure Davis probably is going to rest a little bit more often in the second half, too, just as they're being careful. But you can make the flip side argument, too, because a tough schedule still has to face LeBron. And suddenly you got LeBron and the rest of the not Anthony Davises going up against, you know, the Nets or someone like that on national TV. And Bron puts up like a 40, 10 and eight and takes over in the final two minutes. That's a game that people are going to hang the MVP case on all season where it's like, hey, remember that game? MVP LeBron still got it, even as the oldest starter in the league. So I think, I think if anything, Davis's absence creates the possibility for moments. And it's not like we need more LeBron moments, but it's always good to have an MVP moment or two in the season. That, that one thing you can come back to. And really, too, uh, on the jump the other day, they were talking about it. And with LeBron... The case, you know, normally we're, we're so attuned to MVP has to be a top two seed. It has to be the, these stats, this sort of thing. I just don't think any of that applies to LeBron this year. LeBron James, oldest starting player in the NBA. It's, it's LeBron because everyone wants it to be LeBron <laughs> and because he's still the best player alive. I'm not saying he's not those other things, but okay, so the Lakers lose four games out of the next seven. Oh, well, Anthony Davis is that like there's yeah. there's obvious built in mm-hmm. excuses I just don't think that that's going to matter that much. So the Lakers don't win the division and the Clippers do. Well, yeah, but Davis missed mm-hmm. those three weeks. I feel like it almost builds in an easy out for the one sort of case you might have been able to make against him. And I, I still, I'm not sure that I love buying it at this price. I think the window is gone. I think that at near 50-50, I'm not sure there's a ton of value to me. 
But at the same time, for this exercise, I looked at it, I stared at it, I tried to find value anywhere else. This is the time to buy the value elsewhere if there is someone you like, because with LeBron's odds moving, this is the time to get them. I couldn't find anyone. I just don't know. I don't know who, the, mm. who else the MVP is. As Homer Simpson said, the two sweetest words in the English language, default. I think by default, it's LeBron. Woohoo! The two sweetest words in the English language. And and also, it's LeBron. He should be the MVP. He always should be the MVP. That was a great Simpsons drop and a pretty good argument. I do want to do one, one more thing here. Cause, so we're, we're looking at EV. So what, what do we think the probability is for, for LeBron right now? I'm using the, the EV calculator on, um, on Action Network. So he's, he's plus 150 at BetMGM. Okay, I think he's probably at 60% right now. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, that implies, I mean, at plus 150, that's, your break-even rate is 40%. So uh, were we still, were, I agree there's probably not great value there, but mm. it may be higher than this though. Like it, it may yeah. be a lot higher, especially with the fact the Sixers are going downhill. I don't know. I still kind of feel like there might be value. I'm going to, um, I'm actually going to be publishing my MVP model. Um, so I'm going to run it for this year's numbers and then maybe we'll have that together for next week. And I can actually um, determine, you know, what is the exact probability of him winning just based on my numbers. If you maybe put money on it, I'm not sure I would do this, but I think that gut instinct, I think I'm still taking the field versus LeBron, meaning Ooh, that I would like still it. put LeBron mm-hmm. below 50%, not over, which lines up with what I said, that I don't think that there is great value at where he's at right now. I don't know how much lower. I'm not going to feel great about it. I'm going to be shaking in my boots waiting all season. I know how the voters are going to go. I like the argument you had, Matt, about the second place votes. It all makes sense. It just... Mm-hmm. it. It doesn't feel quite right. It seems like it makes the most sense, but someone is going to make a run at it. I just don't know who the someone is right now. Um, I, th- I think this week is key because when you look at these matchups, I mean, the Lakers have the Nets on Thursday. They have the Heat on Saturday. Um, then they have the Wizards, a little reprieve. Then they got the, they got the Jazz next Wednesday. And then they have the, the Blazers and Warriors. So this stretch of games right here, you know, we could see LeBron either go from plus 150 to minus 250, or we could see LeBron go from plus 150 up to, you know, plus, you know, four or 500. This stretch is really going to determine things. So it's kind of like if you want to get on, on on LeBron, you're basically making a parlay that, you know, that he's going to, the Lakers are going to be successful over this next stretch of games. All right, Brandon, what's your back to the future this week? So I'm going back to the well. You guys mentioned it earlier. This is one that I actually did play before the season, but I am still thinking that the Miami Heat are not going to make the playoffs, or at least that I like the odds on them to not make the playoffs. That was at plus 1,200 before the season. I recommended it then. Something smelled off about Jimmy Butler, just knowing his injury history and the mileage that's on him, the Thibodeau factor from his history. And Butler is back now. As a side note, I think that Butler should be in the all-star conversation. He's been fantastic when he does play, even though I know he's missed a bunch of games. Is If Butler and Bam are playing and healthy the rest of the season, then I think Miami makes the playoffs. Uh, but right now, Miami has seems to me to have a pretty low chance of getting into the top five seeds. There's five teams in the East that are pretty safe. There is a nice-looking sixth seed that guarantees them a playoff spot. But in all likelihood, if they can't get there, now you're in the playoff play-in games. And then who knows? And I I just, I can close my eyes and imagine the scenario where in a one game playoff or maybe back-to-back playoff games that, you know, Gordon Hayward and and the Hornets, or I don't know, it sounds ridiculous, but I can imagine it for a game where the Heat 
it just wasn't their season. And we all do the postmortem. Yeah, it, it just never felt right all year. The defense never came together. They didn't have the scoring. The Duncan Robinson thing is not there. I don't think that like they should beat the teams that they would play in the playing games, but I think they're going to be in the playing games right now. Still, they are plus 350 to miss the playoffs. I still think that there's real value there. And uh, even with Jimmy Butler, they're eight and seven without three and nine. Eight and seven's not great, guys. Eight and seven should like in the in the East. I guess that's a playoff team, but I just something feels off about this team, and I'm not convinced they're going to stay healthy. I just don't know that they're going to be there when the eight team playoffs start. So that's that's my future. So I don't agree with you on this one. Uh, let's assume the Raptors who are digging themselves out of the hole that they built early in the season. Let's assume the Raptors get into the top six at some position. I think it's fair to say like they're going to wind up being better than New York. I think that's fair. New York's I think is good, decent. Like they're mm-hmm. it's it's admirable that New York doesn't suck for once. But the mm-hmm. Raptors are going to be better. They're just going to work their way up there. And so the here right now, right now, after everything, they're still in that 10 spot, right? To get in the playoffs right now, let's swap Knicks and Raptors. Okay, let's say those two teams slip because the Raptors are only half game back of the Knicks. The Heat would have to beat the Bulls, which I love the Bulls. You guys know I love the Bulls. I'm all on the Bulls this year. They're not like the Bulls are not beating Jimmy Butler in a playoff series, playoff game. That's not happening. That's not happening. So then they have to be, beat the loser of Knicks Hornets. The Hornets probably win. And so you're, you're asking me, can the Heat beat the Knicks? Can they? And like, what Gordon Hayward are you guys watching? Like, it's fine. He's good. But like, no, no. Like this, I, I, I'm willing to accept the Hornets are not terrible. I'm not completely giving up on the idea that they're terrible. I think they still might be terrible and just are in a good bump here. But if I would not want to bet, even at three and a half to one, that the Heat are not going to be able to get past, even if Butler was out. Like, Bam, Dragic, and Hero, I think, can probably get through the gauntlet of the plan. If, it, if the plan didn't exist, I think this obviously has killer value, right? And, and the odds would be, would yeah. be, you know, probably shorter. But I, I just look at this and I go, the Heat for as, as bad, I don't think that they're good this year, but I do think they're still better than most of these other teams. Yeah. Raheem, what's your, uh, what's your back to the future this week? I'm not quite sure if I actually want to put this in, but I found it interesting because, I mean, you mentioned it last week that Julius Randle was an all-star. And I was looking last night, and I mentioned it to some friends. I'm like, why can't Julius Randle win most improved player? Last last night it was plus 65 to 1. It's down to plus 30 to 1. But, you know, when I look at the season he's having, he's 23-11-6. Why can't he win? Um, Jeremy Grant's having a great season. Christian Woods, he's been hurt. Um, Jalen Brown's been great, but to me, I think his odds should be lower. And I think there's some value there. Um, now I don't know if I'm necessarily going to play it, but why isn't he in that conversation? If, and if he, he should make an all-star game, he's a, he's the most improved candidate, at least to me. <laughs> I think this is a great take. I think because, because there's a pretty decent chance that the Pistons get to a point where they shut Grant down because they're like, okay, you proved that you can do this, that the money's good, but we need to get a better draft pick. Like we're trying to get Kate Cunningham. I need you to sit. Mm. Right. Uh, Christian Wood uh, is the second favorite, but with Oladipo and wall, I think his usage goes down a little bit without Harden, his scoring probably goes down a little bit and he's out, right. He's missed a lot of games. And so there's that kind of risk. Jalen, I think is, is tough. Chris Boucher is slid. And then the next guy is Randall. And like, yeah. after that's Colin Sexton, DeJounte Murray, Michael Porter Jr. Nope, 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 nope. So we're really just talking Grant, Wood and Jalen. 
Jalen, I think, is probably has the best value here at plus 500. Like, Jalen's been absurdly good this season. Shout out to Brandon on this because he called this first. <laughs> they already, but people already knew Jalen was good. People did not think Julius Randle was good going into this year. Uh, and his numbers have been just insane. And the Knicks are decent. Like, the Knicks are not terrible. That's an accomplishment. It really is. <laughs> I love this take. That's a really good one. All right. I, like um, I do have a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Am I taking crazy pills? And now, am I taking crazy pills? With Matt Moore. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. The NBA is going to release the second half of its schedule soon during the All-Star break. And we know what they're going to do. They're going to keep the same schedule. They're going to keep everything the same. Why? Why? A month ago, we had reports that mm-hmm. the Tokyo Olympics are likely to be postponed. Every piece of news that has come out since then has reinforced the idea that the Tokyo Olympics are likely to be postponed. If you want to say we had to start on Christmas because Christmas makes us a lot of money. Okay, fine. I'm not going to rehash the all-star argument, even though everyone agrees this is dumb. The only people that think we should be having the all-star game are the NBA and the MBPA because the NBA told them how much Turner basically threatened Mm -hmm. to to cost them in the media rights deal over this. Just stress the season out. We can stop this. We can actually have players playing. We, We can actually have John Wall and Victor Oladipo playing at the same time. It's an amazing idea. We can have Russell Westbrook and Brad Beal playing at the same time. If you just stretch out the season, just just go a few more months. I'm not talking crazy long. Just end it in, in August. End it in late August. Give yourself another month. Stretch the season out a little bit. Cut down on these back-to-backs and three and fours and four and fives. Get this thing back to where we're not. The teams are just such a wreck right now. Like Celtics, Celtics Nuggets should have been mm. awesome last night. No Smart, no Harris, no Barton, no Millsap. PJ, like the Nuggets could have used PJ Dozier last night. (laughs) Yogis dropped 43 and it didn't matter Mm. because he was in such tatters. I don't understand why the NBA won't just be like, you know what? If the Olympics are canceled, we're leaving this open. We're going to extend the season. We're going to make this a a lot better. Just do the smart thing here. Am I crazy? Um, I I guess the question I have is what are the players thinking? Um, Do you have any sources where, you know, um, the players union thinking, you know, they want to have their summer, like, I mean, or is this just the league? Well, where are they going to go? Like the pandemic's still going to be a problem in most places. You know, I mean, they could, I mean, the players can still party and do the things that they want to do within their own circle. I sure. Mean. But most of those, <laughs> most of those players are going to be available anyway. I would say like, mm-hmm. you know, not the Lakers and the Clippers, but mm-hmm. like a lot of these teams could still, go have a good time wherever. I also think if you tell the players like, Hey, you don't have to play three and four and you're not, you know, a lot of this too is the, it's not just the schedule. It's the COVID testing schedule. And that's going to decrease as they get, as people get Mm -hmm. vaccinated, which Mm -hmm. you got to think that's coming down the pipeline for the NBA. Now that we're, the Mm -hmm. rates are up. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think that there's an opportunity here for the league to, to fix what's been such a really gross messed up season. And, mm-hmm. and get things back to something a lot closer to normal if they're just willing to be more open with the ideas. Mm-hmm. How much latitude would you give the league on scheduling to, to make broad changes in the second half? And I mean, not just spacing the games out or that sort of thing, but we've talked in the past on here about, you know, potting games in, at a site to put, you know, maybe a, a team playing two or three game series in a row or that sort of thing. The problem with that is that we haven't done that so far and suddenly you're going to get this sort of imbalanced schedule thing happening. Mm-hmm. The Bulls get to play the Pistons a couple extra times or that sort of thing. Do, do we care or is that okay? And it's pandemic season. We just have to live with it. 
I mean, I think it's too late. They should have done that to start the season. I don't know why they didn't. It's absolutely mind-boggling to me that they didn't. Like, they should have pushed all... They should have pushed, honestly, all of the non-con games to the second half of the schedule. Like, mm-hmm. your second half of the schedule should basically just be the marquee matchups in, in, in their conference play and your non-cons. Um, because mm-hmm. it could have just kept everybody separated that way, and it would have been fine. Like, you could have made the conferences pods, and that would have been more effective. But we're still having problems. Like, Spurs Hornets are both quarantined. And those games are all canceled, uh, postponed rather. But by the time that the second half kicks off, we're going to be another month into vaccination. That's not going to fix everything, but vaccination rates are up 170%. COVID new cases are down, are down 60%. Like the numbers are, are looking awesome, knock on wood. And so some of this will naturally get managed. And so we don't have to take all those things. For me, the bigger concerns right now are about one vaccination. Although I will say I'd reach out to the league do you know they don't have to be vaccinated for anything? The league doesn't mandate any vaccinations for players. Neither do the teams. It's not, it's not oh, wow. collectively bargained. So no one has to be vaccinated, which I think is interesting. Very interesting. Um, on any, for anything. Not for COVID, but for anything. Like ticket box, like anything. Uh, so I do think that there's, that that's not going to be as much of a concern. For me, it's about, can we get the product to be something that people, like, I'm a little tired of, like, oh, the players are treated so badly because of the trade stuff and this, that, and the other, even though I think some of those points are valid about the double talk that comes from, you know, teams just doing what's best for the team versus, you know, players doing what's best for them and being vilified. I'm open to those conversations, but it'd be nice if at some point somebody was like, hey, why don't we give the fans a better product? Like just shot in the dark. Think that that should be part of the conversation. Um, let's go to our final segment. We're going to make picks for Wednesday night. Each one of us gets one pick. For Wednesday night's games. Mm. Dig in. Certainly does look delicious. It's the Wednesday NBA Buffet. Chew and swallow. No savoring. Raheem Palmer, let's start with you. Okay, I'm going with the Houston Rockets team total under 108 and a half. I mean, we look at this Rockets offense. They've been a complete mess all season. Um, the 26th in offensive rating, but over the past two weeks, the 30th. You know, they're scoring 103 points per 100 possessions. No Christian Wood. Victor Oladipo and Eric Gordon are doubtful for this game. So it's just like, you know, the lack of depth, just, it's just an uphill battle to score points against the Sixers defense, which is seventh in defensive rating. For me, my numbers project is going well under the total of 227 and a half. I have a 223. But personally, I like the Rockets team total under um, a little bit better just because when you look at the Rockets offense facing this, this Sixers defense, the Rockets, I mean – their shooting percentages all over the floor are pretty much depressing. I mean, they rank less than 24th in every area, area of the floor, except for at the rim, where the Sixers are third. So give me the Rockets team total under. And then if you want to play a little bit on the full game under, you could do that as well. I like your pick. I'm just one, like, I'm just going to stick up in defense of the Rockets here. Mm-hmm. No Christian Wood. They need Oladipo, Wall, and Wood. When they have those three guys, their offense is going to be good. They have to have all yeah. three of those guys at once, but they don't. And so I like the yeah. pick. Brandon, what's and your and pick? No, no Gordon as well. And no Gordon. <laughs> and no Gordon. Brandon, what's your pick? Yeah, so I'm going to go with future Hall of Famer Draymond Green tonight with the prop on him. Draymond mm-hmm. is back playing point center this last seven games and uh, not scoring because he doesn't score, but putting up ridiculous numbers as a passer. Uh, so this seven-game stretch, he's at 12.3 assists per game, 7.1 rebounds a game. He's got 3.3 stocks, steals, and blocks per game. This is the Draymond Green that we knew and love. This, you know, he can't play this all season, uh, but I liked him 
at at over 6.5 rebounds at plus 120 on DraftKings. He's had at least six rebounds in all seven of these point center games. Uh, but actually, if you've got it available at BetMGM or elsewhere, if you can play the rebounds and assists together line, that I'm taking the over 15.5 rebounds plus assists. He's had games in this stretch where he's getting close to that number just on assists alone. Uh, the other day we played him over eight and a half assists. He hit that in the first half. And um, we are projecting him at, I think, 60 or 16 or 17 combined rebounds and assists. He can have a big night in either one of those areas. The heat rate dead last in rebounds per game as a team. And I just think that this is working right now. He can get assists in a hurry. And 15 and a half is just not that many. So I'm going to go over 15 and a half rebounds plus assists for Draymond Green. I'm looking at his stocks. I want to look at and see what his mm. stocks, what his stocks number is at. Mm. His wow, his stocks number is only one and a half, but you have to lay minus one eighty-five. Mm. It's tough. Uh, for my pick tonight, that's right. It's time. I told mm. you guys about it early in the season. I talked about this Raheem all year. I said that the Wizards' defense had a lot of indications it was better than it had performed. The total in Nuggets Wizards tonight with the Nuggets shorthanded on a back-to-back is 234. Yum. Mm, we've got a Sega Baba. The Wizards have held their opponent to under a 106 defensive rating in three of the last four games. It is starting to turn, my friends. The Wizards' defense is going to only be a dumpster fire and not a dumpster on fire in the middle of a hazmat zone in a, in a nuclear wasteland. It's going to be slightly not horrible. This number is way too high. This is built definitely on the idea that the Wizards, the Wizards have changed up their rotations. Brooks has basically just started shifting things. There's a little bit mm-hmm. of mojo going. I think they're starting to get over the loss of Thomas Bryant. They're figuring out some things. I think Denny's been playing well. I think the Nuggets, without the kind of options, I will wait to see who's playing in this game. Because if the Nuggets mm-hmm. are all of a sudden are like, eh, yeah, everybody's back, because they do that sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Just random guys are back suddenly. It could be an issue, but in general, even it's going to have to be a lot of guys back. And even then I'm the number probably goes up even more. I will still mm-hmm. probably be on the under. I'm taking the under in a wizard's game. It's time to get contrarian. It's going to wrap it up for the action network podcast. Make sure that you guys download our awesome application. It is the best app for tracking bets. Gives you all of our breakdowns. Brandon's red hot until last night when I decided to support him on Twitter. And somehow this is my fault that he got absolutely cream props <laughs> article every day. You can check out Raheem's article coming out on the MVP. I've got pieces up on the Southwest division, as well as a look at the Andre Drummond situation. I'm working on an MVP tiers article. I'm working on something on players that provide the floor. All of these things you can find on the action network app. Download it today. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys again next time on the Action Network NBA podcast. We're finished talking.